Uh, Turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 4. And uh, I'll just tell you, uh, as I've studied this and thought this week, um, this is probably too ambitious of a topic for today. So I just wanted to warn you and brace yourself. Uh, I know many of you know about the fork in the road, right? The idea of having a decision time where you're going to go this way or going to go that way. Uh, I know many uh, people have written about this. There's a famous poem, The Road Less Traveled, right? Uh, And then there's some others of you who, when it comes to this idea of taking this way or that way, uh, you say, I don't listen to anybody. I do my own thing. I, I don't need a path. I don't follow a path. I make my own path. Uh, those are the people that end up in the ditch most often uh, are those people making their own path. I'm reminded of a story my brother-in-law told me uh, about the founder of FedEx, you know, the people who bring all the junk that you order online to your house. Um, as the company was beginning and starting up, they, uh, you know, as many companies, they, they didn't have a lot of money and they were always juggling between investors and, and loans and they were juggling back and forth and uh, a huge bill came due and uh, the, the founder of the company, he realized he was down to his last $5,000 and as he was coming back from uh, making, talking to investors or something, he'd been refused a loan and as part of that, he was uh, flying in and he had a layover in Las Vegas and so he took that $5,000, that last $5,000 that he had and he went to the casino and as the story goes, as he would tell it, uh, he won $27,000. So there it is. That's the way, if you guys are having any problems today, any financial problems or anything, we're not that far. Just head over to Vegas and see how the Lord might bless. You know, uh, I, I always think that's funny because uh, it, it's t- that story is told over and over again in the business world. And as business people say, well, no, that's not necessarily the way to do it, but as you think about business, sometimes unusual things happen and there needs bold leadership who are willing to take risks. And the reality is uh, that's a terrible way to run a business. It's a terrible way to run a life. It's a terrible way to think about solving your problems is just to risk it all and hope that things would come out right. Today we're going to look at a passage uh, that looks back on the history of God's people. And it shows there are two paths. Uh, the one path is God's way. And when you, when you hear about God, when you hear about God, I, I, I want you to know this. It's very important for you to get this morning. It's the God of Genesis 1, chapter 1. That, that's the God. It's the God of creation. It's the God of creation. And I would say today, as we're looking at it, it's the God of creation who is the same God, the God of Abraham. And I'll just leave it there. We'll come back to it, okay? So there's God's way, and then there's man's way, man's way. I got my own ideas. I'll figure it out on my own. I'll decide what I'm going to obey and what I'm not going to obey. I'm going to come up with my own set of rules and I'm going to follow them. There's two paths. There's God's way and then there's man's way. And I trust as we go through this this morning, 
uh, that God will use this message to clarify his singular path for us and that we would humbly and willingly follow it, trusting in him uh, for every day, but trusting him uh, absolutely for our salvation that we would be right with him forever. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you from Galatians chapter four, verse 21, uh, through the, actually chapter five, verse one, 21 uh, down through uh, chapter five, verse one. God's word says this. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through the promise. Now this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children of slavery. She is Hagar. Now Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear, uh, who, who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are in, not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those who has a husband. Now you brothers, like, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just as at the time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, so also it is now. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. Verse 31, so brothers, we are not children of, a, of the slave, but of the free woman. Chapter five, verse one. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. God, we ask that you would do your uh, work in us, that your spirit would work in us in clarifying and convicting and confronting us in our wrong thinking. God, I pray that you would do the work of transforming our lives that we would fully trust you in all things. God, we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So you can turn to Genesis chapter 12, okay? This is where, uh, this is where I'm gonna lose you. I'm, I'm planning on it, okay? No, I'm not. I'm gonna go through the background of Abraham, the a Abraham, and and, and as I said earlier, Abraham, uh, if you look in Genesis, you start in Genesis 1, you see the God of creation. I, I want to pull you to Genesis 12, and you see the God of Abraham, the God of Abraham. And, and God reaches out to Abraham to, to call him to himself, to make him a great man, a great nation, um, and I just want to go through some of that history. Chapter 12, I want to read the first five verses. God's word says this. Now the Lord said to Abram, 
we'll get to the name change later. Uh, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to a land that I, I will show you and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and you and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and, and Lot went with him and Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abraham took Sarai his wife and Lot his brother's son and all their possessions, all they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. And I'll just stop there. Um, how old was Abraham? 75. How many of you are over 75 here today? Raise your hand proudly. Come on now, proudly. These are the people you should be listening to, okay? They know stuff. They know stuff. Uh, those of you who are less than 75, you, you can't even relate to the story. You can't even relate to it. You haven't done nothing for 75 years, nothing at all. Um, I, I want to tell you that, that uh, you, you can imagine, you can imagine if you just picture this, and uh, it's not like today. How many of you like moving? How many of you like moving? You think it's fun? Uh, you're hoping to move. You're hoping to move. Um, most of you are doing the, like, y- your, your house is going to be on one of those shows after you're gone, The Hoarders. Uh, and it's just piles of junk that you have to go through. A- Abram, 75 years old, God comes to him and calls him, leave, leave. I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna take you. And people didn't move. People didn't move. It was part of this thing. And you, you see the entourage, right? He's got family. He's got servants and animals and these things. And, and they're leaving this land, not because they saw it, not because they had a realtor show it to them. They left Abraham left and led his family to leave because God had said, this is a new place. I'm gonna do a new thing in your life. I'm gonna call you to be a special people. I'm gonna call you to be my special people. I'm gonna do something with your name, not just your name, listen to this. All the nations, all the nations, every person, every nation, uh, tribe and tongue, they, they will be blessed in you. And what he's talking about here is eventually it's gonna be Jesus. Eventually it's gonna be Jesus. In generations and time, it's gonna be Jesus. And yet this is the beginning of him calling Abraham, of making promise to Abraham. If you turn over to chapter 16, I know I'm skipping a lot. I'm sorry, chapter 15. Sorry, I'm making Jim work hard back in the box there, okay? Chapter 15, okay, so Abraham's 75 years old, chapter uh, 12, now we're in chapter 15, okay? God has uh, promised or began the promise, and this is the ratification of this, chapter 15, uh, says this, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I'm your shield and your reward uh, shall be very great. Verse two, but Abraham said, O Lord, God, what will you give to me for I continue childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, behold, you have given me no offspring 
and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, uh, came to him, this man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And, and he brought him outside and, and said, look toward the heaven, the number of stars, if you're able to number them. Then he said to them, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and it was counted to him as righteousness. Let's stop there. Um, did you hear that, verse six? Hey, have you heard that before? That's in Romans. Paul uses, talks it in Romans. He also shares it in Galatians. He says, Abraham believed God and it was reckoned or it was counted to him as righteousness. It does not say Abraham was righteous. Uh, in fact, you will see if you follow Abraham's life, unrighteous things that he has done. Failures. Uh, pretty close in this passage, you'll see him lie about his wife. And later, you'll see him follow his wife's leading and do things his own way. Do things his own way. Have his own ideas and not trust in the plan of God. Okay? So that's verse 6. Um, he believed the Lord and it was counted as righteousness. How many kids does he have at this time? Zippo. Okay. Verse 7. And he said to him, I am the Lord who, who brought you out of the Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O oh, oh Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, bring me a heifer, three years old, and a female goat, three years old, and a ram, three years old, a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid them uh, each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came uh, down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Verse 12. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, a, a dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Just mark that in your mind. He's asleep now. He, he's, not, he's not with it. Verse 13. Then the Lord said to Abraham in his sleep, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and, will be ser uh, and there will be servants there, and there will, uh, they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. Verse 15, as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace, and you shall be buried in a good old age. And they shall come back uh, here in the fourth generation, for iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down, and it was dark, behold, a smoking a fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, Abram, saying to your offspring, I give this land from the, the river of Egypt to the great river Euphrates and the land, and it goes on to talk about the land of all the ites, okay? The land of all the ites. Um, where is that land, by the way? The one that there's wars over right now, right? And if we were here 50, 70, they, they were arguing about it. They, this is part of the deal, right? Um, why, 
why did Abram know that that was going to be his land? Why did he know? Because the God of creation, the God of creation spoke to him and said, this is gonna be your land. This is gonna be your land. And, this, and by the way, this is why this is going to be wars until the Lord returns. There, there, over that land. Uh, couple of things, couple of things. Uh, Abram says this, uh, you, you know, God, you, you promised, you promised, but I have no children. I have no children. You, you have these big plans for me of the stars, and, but I have no children. I have no children. And, and when, th- this is kind of the, the simple thing, right? God promised, God promised. Abraham says, I have no children. I feel like I need children to have this promise come true. Given me no children, but you, you claim that, uh, you, you promised that my descendants would be like the stars in the sky. Abram believed that. You know, this is one of a couple of different times where Abram believed things, or Abraham believed things, and he couldn't see them. He couldn't see them. Later on, you're going to see, not today, but you could see in Abram's life, he's called to sacrifice his son, and he goes, how's this going to work? This is the son of promise, and how if I sacrifice him, how's this all going to work out? This isn't going to work out. Like, I don't know how this is going to, I'm going to go through with it and just trust that God's going to figure this out. Believe God. Is reckoning him as righteousness. You see, he was calling on him. Abram was being called on by the God, his God that spoke to him, but also the God of creation, same one. And in fact, it says he made a, a covenant with him. And I, I highlighted, I think it was in verse 12. Yeah. It says that he was sleeping during the time. When you think about covenants or promises with one another or deals, it always takes two parties, right? It always takes two parties. But there's this special picture here, and I believe that this is the point of him sleeping and him having God speak to him in his sleep, is that God says, Abram, this is all about me to you. This is all about my promise to you. By the way, If God counted on you to come through, how well would his promises, uh, it just wouldn't work, right? It's it's based on his faithfulness to you, not your faithfulness to him. And so as we see this, we, we see that Abraham still does not have any kids. Turn over to chapter 16. Chapter 16 Uh, Verses 1 through 16. Now, Sarai, uh, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, uh, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It it may be that I shall obtain obtain children by her. And Abraham listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abram had, had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her, her servant, 
and gave her to Abraham, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarai said to Abraham, may the wrong uh, done to me be done to you. I gave you my servant for you to embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarah, behold, your servant uh, is in, in your power. Do uh, to her as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her and she fled from her. This is an amazing part of scripture. Verse seven, the angel of the Lord found her by the spring of water in the wilderness and the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where uh, have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing my mistress Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that you cannot be numbered for a multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone, and everyone's hand against him. He shall dwell over against all his, his kinsmen. So uh, she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, you are a God of seeing, for she said, truly, here I have seen him who looks after me. Uh, therefore, the well was called that word, and it lies between that area and that area. And, and, and Hagar bore Abraham, Abraham a son. Abraham called his son, whom Hagar bore, Ishmael. Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abraham. Okay, we're getting a picture of Abram's life. Now he has a kid, 86 years old, right? Whoa, whoa, right? I know men didn't do much with babies back then, but whoa, 86 years old. Some of you didn't do much for your kids either, but I won't point that out. Um, what do you have here? Uh, you have... Sarai giving Hagar to his, to her husband. They sleep together. She conceives. There's jealousy and hatred. Sarai drives her away. There's the kindness of the Lord for Hagar and Ishmael. We're going to see it. it's a wild thing. You need to know it. God is good. God is good and kind and gracious. Extends the hand to all. And Ishmael is born. Ishmael is born. Turn over to chapter 17. Let's look at verses one and two. Uh, okay, how, how old did we say in verse 16? In chapter 86, thank you. Uh, chapter 17, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant between you, me and you and may multiply you greatly. 
And so we see as this passage goes on, uh, he, he calls him to circumcise. Verse 15, look at verse 15. Skip down to verse 15. And God said to Abram, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall call her name, uh, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90, bear a child? Yes. 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 Good answer. Doesn't make sense though, does it? Doesn't make sense. And some of you are biological people and you're going, well, I don't know if that thing, those things work, you know, when you get to those ages. And um, later in the New Testament, it, it speaks of Abram and it says, uh, he, when he was all but dead. Um, I don't appreciate when people call me all but dead. Um, it, you, you look at that and, and you say, um, well, how can it be? It doesn't make sense. It, it, it can't be. Like, like we do the math in our own mind, in our own head, and we say, it can't be. And yet God had promised, and so God in his, the God of creation, who did some things before that no one had ever seen before, in creation, he did things that no one else, he now does something in the life of Abraham and Sarah uh, that, that no one had ever seen before as well. Turn over to chapter 21. Chapter 21. In chapter 21, here it all kinds, comes together in the first uh, 10 verses. Chapter 21. It says, The Lord visited Sarah as, as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he promised, he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore a son, Abraham a son in his old age at the time which God had spoken to him. Verse three, Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God commanded him. Abraham was 100 years old when his son was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And we've already done that this morning even. Some of you have laughed as we talked about those ages. Verse seven, and she said, uh, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah, that Sarah would nurse children, yet, yet I have born a son in his old age. Verse eight, and the child grew and was weaned and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw, saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham laughing. So she said to Abraham, cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not be the heir with my son Isaac. And that's where we'll leave it. Turn back to Galatians chapter four. That's where we'll spend the rest of our time and uh, we won't, it won't be as long as it might seem. Um, but that's the background. That's the background. Okay? 
There's Abraham, Abram, just minding his own business, being a man, and the God of creation comes to him and says, I'm going to make a covenant, I'm going to make a promise to you in your old age, in your old age. No one's going to believe it, no one's going to believe it. In fact, the, the longer it got, the more people were laughing. And yet, uh, Abram and his wife did what many would do, and, and you say, oh, I'd never do that. They didn't trust the promises of God. They said, how can we work this out? You know, in a, connecting with my opening illustration, let's go to Vegas, right? We gotta figure out another way. And yet God had promised Abraham, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this. And Abraham didn't see how it was gonna happen. He believed God, but he said, oh, maybe I gotta do this on my own. That's where we start uh, our passage this morning. And I, I want to remind you, uh, the book of Galatians, what is the book of Galatians? It's a book of Galatians written by Paul to uh, churches in Galatia, that area. And um, the, those churches were Gentile believers. They weren't Jews. Uh, they, we, we should probably relate to them, right? We're not people who, uh, who maybe have Jewish blood in our veins. And so sometimes there's this feeling of like, oh, maybe I can't really be one of God's people. Maybe he doesn't care about me. Maybe he just cares about those with Jewish blood, Abraham's blood in them. And so as we come to this, we realize that they, the Galatians had come to faith in Jesus. They trusted in him. And then it happened. They were visited by Jews who wanted to add to their salvation, say, oh, you, you've trusted in Christ, great. Now you just gotta do the 10 commandments. Now you just can't eat this. Now when you think of the, the list of things of the law of Moses, if you just obey that, then you'll be right with God. And this is the backdrop of where we are today in Galatians chapter four, okay? Chapter four, verse 21. Galatians chapter four, verse 21. Tell me, uh, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? And as you read that, you say, well, nobody likes to be under the law. I'm an American. I do my own thing. I wanna tell you that, that, that this idea, we, we love laws. We love them. We love breaking them. We love talking about them. We like pointing our finger at other people when they break them. We love them. And God's people love them. Jews love them. And also, uh, those who were not Jews were attracted to them as well. That somehow I could have a scorecard that says, I'm right with God. I'm right with God. And so he says, I'm calling to you who want to add to your faith in Christ a bunch of laws. I'm calling to you. I, I want to explain this to you. Do you understand the law? And so he says this, verse 22. For it is written that Abraham had two sons. What were their names? Ishmael and Isaac. And, and the reality is he had many more than that. But he's just talking about the big two here, right? For it is written that Abraham had two sons. One by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. When he says of the, the slave woman, that's Hagar, and the, the free woman, that's Sarah. Verse 23, 
His son by the slave woman was born according to the flesh, but his son by the free woman was born as a result of divine promise, divine promise. When you think about promise in this section, looking back to Abraham, what was the promise? What was the promise? Land seed blessing is what people would like to say. Land seed blessing, right? Uh, that there would be land involved, that your seed or your family would go on, and there would be blessing throughout the whole world because of you. Land seed blessing. That was the promise. And uh, especially the, the middle one there, but there, I think there is a connection to the land and the blessing there. He says this, but I don't have a son, but I don't have a son. And then he was provided a son. He's provided one son and then another son. The second son, the second son, was a result of the promise of God. The first son, it says of the flesh, of the flesh, of what man can do. It was man's idea. It was his, if you will, uh, taking things into his own hands with his wife, or going, oh, we gotta figure this out, you know. We have to work this out so that it happens. God promised, but we gotta kind of clean up God's promise somehow, you know. I'm going to do it on our own. He makes a distinction. He says uh, there's two different, and, and this, I want you to see that there's a slave way and there's a free way. There's a flesh way, there's a promise of God way. There's the way of Hagar, the way of Sarah, the way of Isaac, the way of Ishmael. So we have two different ways. Abe's two sons, verses 21 through 23. His friends all called him Abe. Um, Verse 24, two covenants, two covenants. And this is a tough part. Uh, just, I want to stop and just say this. Um, it's, verse 24 says this. Now, now, this may be interpreted allegorically. You guys know what an allegory is. Um, sometimes we think of an allegory. I know I have some English majors here, and they could give me the correct definition of allegory. But it's a made-up story. It's a made-up story. And I want to tell you, this isn't, that, that words, other translations say figuratively. The point is this, it's, it's, he's pointing back to another piece of history, not, these were real people. Isaac was a real person. Ishmael was a real person. Hagar was a real person. Sarah was a real person. Abraham was a real person. And this is what God did. So it wasn't a fake story. But what he's doing, inspired by God, inspired by God, God is going, I, I, I'm gonna use this in Paul's life to write to the Galatians about these two sons. I'm gonna, I'm gonna use this, and so you can picture it right here. You can see it. And I wanna encourage you, super important, um, when you interpret scripture, uh, don't, don't do allegories. It's not, it's not an allegory unless it says it's an allegory, unless it's pointing back uh, to saying things. You know, what's the deal with the rainbow in the scripture? Promise of God. How do you know that? It says it, it says it. Some of you can look at the clouds and go, man, I just believe God's like up high and fluffy because I saw it in the clouds. I learned about God from nature. No, it doesn't say that. Uh, it says we can learn some things, but if it's not distinct, we don't know uh, how to interpret it. Anyways, let's, let's move on. 
Uh, This is a factual and inspired picture from God through Paul to the Galatian church. He starts with talking about two covenants, two covenants, verse 24. The woman represents, the women represent two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai and bears children who are to be slaves. This is Hagar. Now Hagar stands for, for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she is in slavery with her children. Um, That's the first covenant. What what covenant is that? When he says Mount Sinai, Bible scholars, what are you thinking of? Moses, right? Moses, right? And you look at the book of Exodus, you can see in chapters 19 through 24, the unpacking of the law or the promise of God, uh, the promise of God to Moses for his people. And it's fascinating because he says of that one covenant is Mount Sinai and bears children who are to be what? What does he say? Slaves. I thought the law was good. I thought the Ten Commandments were good. I, I, I thought, you know, we could take the Bible, the Bible, we're not crossing, we're not canceling chapters, are we? I want you to see this. We've looked at it before. No one is righteous. No one is righteous according to the law. No one. Everyone, as they understand the law, they're lawbreakers and they're guilty. Everyone. And you say, well, I don't know the law. Now nah, you're still guilty. You just don't know it. <laughs> Me too. Me too. This was the Mosaic law. It was meant to show the sinfulness of man. And so as you look at these two covenants, the first one was the Mount Sinai one and bears the children who are slaves. And so as he connects it to slavery, and I wanna say this, you're either enslaved to sin or you're enslaved to the law. It's two wrong answers. It's two wrong answers. It's all slavery. It's all slavery. Is slavery a good word or a bad word? It's a bad word. Everybody knows that. Throughout the world, they know that. Would you rather be a slave or free? Think about that. Of course, I'd rather be free. And he connects that to the Mosaic Covenant. He connects it to slaves. He connects it to Hagar. He connects it to Ishmael. Interestingly enough, I, 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 want, I almost skipped over this. I'm glad I didn't. Did, did you also see in verse 23, he says, and the present city of Jerusalem. I thought Jerusalem was the big deal in the scripture, right? I thought all good things went on in Jerusalem. I, I, I thought that we should always be for Jerusalem, right? And he said, no, Jerusalem, slavery there, slavery there. I want to tell you, you know, the promised land, the promised land, the holy land, the place where Christ is going to return, it's not going to be right and good until he returns. And it's only, it's only the people that have trusted in him that are going to be right upon his return. The present Jerusalem in the time of uh, the Galatians, who was in charge? Rome. 
Rome was in charge, pushing them around, right? Even uh, one of the things probably, probably most probable, those people were telling them to be Jews. Where did they come from? Jerusalem. They wandered down there and they wanted to set them straight. And this idea, the present city of Jerusalem was slavery, slavery, slave in sin and slave to the law. Verse 26, but the Jerusalem that is above is free and she is our mother. For it is written, be glad, barren woman. Um, sorry, I got lost here. Verse 26, but, uh, but the Jerusalem above is free and she is our mother. For it is written, rejoice, O barren woman who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will, will be more and, than those of one who has a husband. As you read that, uh, you see the first covenant uh, bringing to slavery and the next the next method or the next promise of God, what is it? It's freedom. It's freedom in the other way, in the other way. As you look at this, you realize that he's quoting there. He's talking about the barren woman from Isaiah 54. And he doesn't speak of the Jerusalem of present day. He speaks of the heavenly Jerusalem. The Jerusalem of above. I, I want to tell you, it, it's very important for you to get this. It, it's not going to be great down here. It, the freedom is not down here. It, it, it's not in uh, Jerusalem. It, it, it's not in, you know, Tennessee, Idaho, Texas. It's not in Kern County. I was thinking of the... Uh, uh, the song that we've been singing, we've been learning, it talks about searching the whole world over, you know. Most of you could just say, I've searched even in Kern County for what God's doing, you know, for something great. I, I want you to get this. It's important that it, it's not down here, it's above the freedom that comes from the promises of God. Which brings us to verse 28. Um, the two different children of promise. Now, now you brothers, now you brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. If you're like Isaac, you're children of promise. If you're connected to Abraham through Isaac, if you are uh, similar to Sarah's offspring, the promise, it's not about Sarah, it's not about Isaac, it's not about Abraham, it's about the promise of God. Verse 29, but just, but just as at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, so also it is now. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. Let me explain that to you. And I, I want you to keep it in context. Who's he writing to? Church of Galatia, right? What, what's the issue? Came to faith in Jesus. We're gonna add to it all those Jewish laws. Who's in slavery? Who's in slavery? Well, 
It's the present day Jerusalem people that are just like the one enslaved, the, the one Ishmael. And, and we, ended, we ended our study in the book of Genesis and, and this is what's quoted right here. It says, get rid of the slave woman and her son for the slave woman's son will never share the inheritance with the free woman's son. His call is this, and this is what I think he's talking about. Those people that came from Jerusalem who are sharing with you, get, you know, you need to, these dietary laws, these commandments, these seasons, you gotta do all these things. Get rid of them. Reject them. Reject them. Send them back to Jerusalem. Get rid of them. Why? Because there's no freedom in a message like that. There's no freedom in a message like that. A being good message of just a bunch of lists and laws to do, there's no freedom in that. He concludes, uh, and he's talking about this inheritance. If you look at verse 31, he says this. So brothers, those of you who have trusted in Christ, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. We identify, because of Christ, we identify with Sarah Isaac, Abraham, the God of creation. I want you to see this. I won't make much comment of it, but chapter five, verse one, transitionary verse. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Let me, let me give you the, the, the simple steps to this. Trust in Christ. Trust in Christ the freedom of your sins, the freedom of the laws, the freedom of the thing. And then trust in Christ and then stay with him. Stand firm. Don't move. What if somebody has a different message? Reject it. What if someone's a slick talker and they, they sound really compelling? Reject it. What if everyone's doing it? Who cares? Stand firm. Why? Because you have the right answer. All of us have done this before. All of us taking those stupid tests in school. And they're multiple guess. They're multiple guess. They used to have like Scantrons. Raise your hand if you know Scantrons. Some of you had flashbacks right there, PTSD. <laughs> and, and, and you'd get them back after they shoved them through something that was a computer the size of a room or something like that. And... Uh, and, and, and you, you, A, B, C, or D, and like, and, and it would show, it would show your pencil marks, your pencil marks. You know what, you know what pencils are, don't you? Uh, it show your pencil mark. And, and a lot of times, if you didn't study, not that any of you would have never studied, but like, and, and you're guessing, and you're, you, you got, and you're, you're looking at the question, and you're hemming, and you're hawing, and you're like, oh, I, this, no, and, you know, and, and you're marking them out and then you get your test back and you got the wrong answer. You got the wrong answer. But you had the right answer. But you got the wrong answer. This is what he's saying. He's saying, trust in Christ, stand firm. Don't go back to the yoke of slavery. Don't go back. Been there, done that, didn't want the T-shirt. Okay, don't go back. God, thank you for this morning.
I ask that you do your work through your spirit, the spirit that inspired the book of Genesis, book of Galatians. God, I, I ask that you, you do your work in us now, everyone here. God, I ask that you, uh, sh- that, that, that you would penetrate the hearts of those with the gospel of Jesus Christ that have trusted in you. Pray for those of us who have that we would clarify in our own minds that is apart from works, that is apart from the law, is because of Jesus and him, what he did on the cross on our behalf. And God, for those of us who, who are tempted to go back to the laws and regulations, God, may you protect us and keep us to stand firm. God, thank you for this time. Glorify yourself in Bear Valley Church, I pray in Jesus' name, amen.